0: Wow. Good sound today, folks. We're having all kinds of difficulties. But this is Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. on Thursday uh, Pacific. And this is... And we're not getting the music. Aren't we lucky today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Killing me. So... Let's see if we can do it the old-fashioned way.
1: Yeah, you don't want me to sing, do you? God, no. <laughs> if that happens to, <laughs> be
2: happening
0: to us. Oh, toast. So for those of you who don't know, this is... Yeah, bite me. Uh,
1: <laughs> there. Yeah. Pillars. 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 Pillars
2: Pillars. Pillars. Pillars.
0: Pillars so I'm Fred McMurray. I'm the Trouble Challenge uh, co-host with my co host Ray Piller and our brand new sponsor and female co-host, Elizabeth Denham of the Franchise Woman. Hello, hello, Hello. folks. And we've got two birds, one show today. (laughs) (laughs) We got Reg Bird and Anthony Bird from DCV Franchise Group. Hello, everyone. Now I'm going to go take a nap from, because my heart's pounding like a, I can't say. Ray, (laughs) take (laughs) it (laughs) away. (laughs) Yeah, that I don't want (laughs) to do. I... Caramba! Ray, take it away. Say something so I don't have to anymore.
1: Okay, so uh, we are. Uh, I'm talking to you from my home base in Aurora, Illinois, where the it's a beautiful 36 degrees and snowing. <laughs> the snow hits the ground and it melts and it's kind of yucky outside in that respect. And so I was just wondering, Elizabeth, where where are you uh, sitting at?
3: I am sitting in Spanish Fort, Alabama, outside of Mobile.
1: Oh and nice. We are
3: fifty two and rainy today, but we were seventy-five and sunny last week, so you just okay. never know. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, Burge,
1: where are you where are you guys from?
5: Sitting. We're in beautiful sunny Southern California. And oh, today's wow. the first day we've had sun in about two weeks. Is that possible? <laughs> I know. It's seventy-five today. Yesterday it was about sixty. And um, we'll be in the low 70s tomorrow, and then by the weekend, we'll
1: be back into the 60s again. (laughs) So our our guests today are are Reginald and Anthony, and uh, they are uh, the owners of... Well, I'll let you introduce yourselves.
5: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, it's Reg is perfectly fine. We don't need to to go the, the formal route. Okay. But I'm Reg Bird, and I actually founded DCV Franchise Group about 16 years ago. Three years ago, though, we were acquired by a consulting firm in L.A. called Singer Lewak. So now we're DCV Franchise Group, a division of Singer Lewak. So okay. our name has, has really expanded. But, um, yeah, so that's that's who we are. So I don't have the checkbook in my drawer anymore, mm-hmm. but I'm still on helping
4: out uh, yeah. for, for a number of more years. So yeah, that's, that's who we are. At least until I can push them out. So my <laughs> name is Anthony Bird. Uh, I have been now with the firm. Yeah, exactly, right? So I've been with the firm for the last five years, (laughs) and uh, I have worked my way up. I am now the director of business development here within DCB Franchise Group, working in every pillar of our services here within DCB. (laughs)
1: He's a good boy. (laughs) It's it's nice to have your family in the business. I have a son and a daughter-in-law in my business. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> it's it, uh, you trying to push things along too hard, and uh, it takes a special people, I think, to have family in, in in business.
5: You're right. It's it's not everybody who can do it. Uh, I have two boys. My other son, Russell is working actually over in the Netherlands. He and his wife live over there. He married a a German gal. But Russell's working in the company as well. And um, we all get along great. You know, Anthony and I, in the five plus years that we've been working together, we really haven't had any deep, serious moments to speak of. It's always been um, pretty smooth. So we're very, very blessed and lucky. I was never in his
4: life as a child, but...
5: For making up for it now.
4: And I don't think I've called him dad in the last five years.
1: No, That's Father's
4: is, Day. Oh, Father's Day is the one treat he gets where I actually call him dad. Oh. Uh, the rest of it, I walked in that day, and he lost the moniker of dad and became Reg. Mm. And uh, even on the weekends and nights, whatever it might be, it's, it's always Reg. So. Yeah. Elizabeth, jump
2: in
0: quick otherwise ray's going to keep talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or
2: we're going to keep talking
3: or yeah <laughs> i worked for I, my dad for eight years and i always called him dad in in front of everyone we were a law yeah. firm lawyers judges clients it was dad so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's funny how your dynamic has to work for you you know it, oh, yeah. just knew. but what do you think um what have you learned from your dad It's a different thing you learn when you're in business than when you're having a personal relationship.
4: (laughs) That's true, but I think even from a young age, I was groomed, um, even though DCV probably wasn't (laughs) even a thought or process. Reg had spent over 20 years in the hotel business, Mm
1: -hmm. and in
4: the executive positions that he held, we were in the hotels at a young age, dressed to the nines, had to speak to executive members of the team. And so from a young age, I learned my manners, I learned my properness, I learned my charisma not to be shy and uh and in the last five years i've learned anything and everything on franchising from him it's uh he's my best friend my partner and, and something that i get to do and enjoy every day
5: wow.
3: And that's why it works
5: yeah yeah and that's big uh, us big boys us bird boys well we're we're big boys and bird boys uh, but the bird boys have been known to be cry babies so i'm glad he stopped where he did yeah uh-huh. and I'm okay.
0: (laughs) I like the hat. Where did you get the hat?
5: Uh, This one I actually got in Maastricht in the Netherlands last year at Christmas time, uh, where our younger son and his wife live. And we were there for a month during Christmas. And they have a hat store there where I've bought hats before. I probably have, I don't know. Thirty some hats. I actually have a collection. So when you said you have to wear a hat, I
1: got all excited.
5: Which one should I wear today?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is just one of them. I brought out two today. I wasn't sure which one to wear. But this is another one I have. (laughs) There you go. Everywhere I go, I try to pick up a hat and a T-shirt so I can at least say, I've been there, got the (laughs)
2: T-shirt. That's
4: awesome. Very good. Yeah, that's one thing i say I haven't picked up from Reg is the hat. <clears throat> uh, I very seldom, unless we're going to a Dodger game, to, to wear the hat.
5: Yeah. You know. yeah.
4: Whereas my grandson,
5: on the other hand, Papa, let's play hats. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, back, Ray, take us back to, from Pillars of Hats to Pillars of Franchising.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I think so much has happened, especially in the last three years. Uh, with uh, franchise, with financing, and especially uh, franchise fin- financing, um, one of the I want—I'd like to—if you could just kind of give us an idea what has happened recently and have things opened up. And one of the other questions I want to—well, I'll let you answer that one first, and then I'm going off a little sidebar on that.
4: Yeah, a little bit of a a loaded question there on the first one. There has been a a tremendous amount of changes over the last three years, more than we've ever seen within the realms of SBA and franchise financing. Uh, In the last three years, we went through our longest government shutdown that we've ever had, which Mm -hmm. threw the financing community on on its head. Um, But the the doors are open. There's no question about it. We are funding more deals now than we ever have. Uh, But some of the major changes that we've seen within the last three years, the SBA adopted their own franchise directory where a franchise concept now has to be approved by the SBA directly and then placed on that directory or the franchisees of that brand would not be able to get a financing through the SBA. And so that has been a major shift. Uh, If a brand is not able to be on the directory, it excludes any chance of being able to receive an SBA loan. Um, but what we see, you know, 99% of brands fit the category of being a franchise and are able to be placed on the directory. Uh, they're then defined an SBA identifier code, and that is what the banks used to be able to actually issue the SBA loan. So that was a, a major change that we saw come across. Mm-hmm. Um, to just kind of touch on the government shutdown, because we never know where it sits, and this bill gets extended or that bill gets extended, Um, the SBA does shut down during that timeframe. And it's important if you're going through financing and you're working with a partner that that partner only has access to PLP lenders, a preferred lending partner with the SBA.
2: Mm. And the
4: reason that that is important is that if we know that a government shutdown is on its way and a loan has been approved, that means that a bank can actually get an SBA number without waiting for government approval. So before the shutdown happens, they can pull the SBA number to make sure that we're going to be okay through the government shutdown and continue business as normal. Or when the shutdown ends, instead of having to wait through a tremendous backlog, they're able to pull the SBA number the day that the government reopens. So even before this shutdown, and we've been through quite a few, at least three since I've started with the company, we only work with PLP lenders. Not only do they expedite the process, but if you know, God forbid we go through a shutdown, it's gonna be as as least harmful as possible. So little speed bumps along the road, uh franchise financing has, has done very well over the last three years. I'm gonna let we touched a little bit on the doors opening but a belt tightening. You
5: hit it on the head, belt tightening for sure. Over the last two years, especially, and the last 12 months, definitely, we have seen lenders tighten their belt. Absolutely, no question. Over the last decade, I think lenders have really been very aggressive and have had a wide open door. Uh, and I think it just got to the point where their their risk factors are building uh, more and more. And so we've we've seen some banks actually come back to us and and yanked offers that they've given Mm. and said, sorry, you know what, our board of directors woke up this morning and they decided they're not going to do any more startups or they're not going to do any more pizza shops or this, that, or the other. So, you know, we're really being very, very cautious in when we're presenting our our, our deals to banks, making sure that we go to more than one bank. We Mm. definitely are not uh, putting all of our eggs in one basket. Whereas a few years ago, Uh, Going back five or so years ago, we feel real confident knowing that there was a certain bank who wanted a certain deal and we would definitely get an offer. And even if we did get an offer from another bank, they would mirror each other. And we're not doing that anymore. We're definitely going to at least three different lenders, depending on the project. If it's a real complicated one and it's going to be tough, then we'll end up going to even more lenders than that. So there's definitely been a shift. But like Anthony said, we're getting deals done. And that's why, you know, I I don't want to sell us per se, but that's why folks need a, a company like us. They need consultants like us to help them through this journey. This is coming from me from an emotional position just because of how many times we've had people call us and say, I wanted to do this on my own, or in fact, they call us and then go and try and do it on their own. But then they call us back, and they just wasted so much time, frustrated and you know, discouraged, and and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, so I I think those are the the key points that yeah. that have really made a significant impact over the last few years.
4: Yeah, well, there there's one more that I wanted to touch on, and that is that the SBA also implemented a new policy where a single bank cannot hold too much of a note for where a single franchise contract. So we've worked with franchise concepts where they said, oh, we don't need you. We have a banking relationship. They do all of our deals. Well, now we've had concepts begin to call us. Well, they turn the faucet off. (laughs) Uh, So if a bank can realize and come in and be audited now and have their PLP status actually revoked from them, if they are carrying too much of a single concept on on the books. And it used to be a policy where, you know, a bank would go, hey, we've set aside $5 million for so-and-so concept. We want all their deals. They can't do that anymore. That's, that's been a major shift in the last three years.
5: Wow. That's and that's
4: interesting awesome. because that
5: was always an avenue that I wanted to go down years ago was to find a bank who would take a particular concept we were working with. And I would just go to them. It would all go sure. through them. Okay. That was really, really important to me. I wanted to have that kind of relationship
2: mm-hmm. Boy, I'm glad I
5: I ended up not having it because <laughs> just like Anthony said, um, the SBA comes in and sees too much of one thing on the
1: books and the bank's in trouble.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I can tell Elizabeth is just at the edge of her seat wanting to ask a question. <coughs> but right now we can't hear her because she's muted. <laughs> uh.
3: I did not mute myself. I don't know what happened. Um as the publisher of a women uh women's magazine, the so women in franchising. Um you may be aware that women have grown 83% from 2011 to 2017 in franchise ownership. Um, Absolutely. However, they only have 17% of SBA-backed loans, 16% of conventional loans, and 4.4 total dollars in small business loans. Um, but there have been some articles coming out about how women need to overcome those barriers and how the industry as a whole and, and banking can help them overcome those barriers. How, what has been your experience in terms of financing for women? What barriers do you see, and how do you think that they can be overcome so that the trend of business ownership for women can continue to rise? Now I'm going
5: to jump in right away yeah, here because I've talked, in fact, today I talked to a lady who, who wants to buy a franchise, and I have found that we probably talked to 50% women and 50% yeah. men. It's pretty split down the middle for us uh, because there's usually... I would say usually the situation is the husband is working and the wife isn't. And so the wife will be the the one we end up talking to in many cases. But what I experience in talking to women is that they are ultra, ultra conservative. And I appreciate that 100%. They're very leery about debt. They don't want debt. They don't want it hovering over them. They don't want to use their home as collateral. That's their home. Uh, So it's the conservative position, I think, that women take more than men who tend to be more of the risk takers. uh, That might lead to some of that lower percentage in financing. As coming from a position of it being more difficult or anything like that, being a woman has absolutely nothing to do with getting financing or not. I mean, so do you it's think either that, you're qualified or you're not qualified.
3: So, do you think that it's, it's about educating women to the value of, of taking a little more risk or understanding what collateral can do and what the risk really is? Is that you what you're it. saying? Okay.
5: Exactly. The lady, you hit it right on the nose. The lady I talked to today, in fact, the questions, I probably spent an hour and a half on the phone with her. I'll usually spend right around 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And she was just, she needed education. She needed to understand how this works, why this works better. Uh, and, And even during the conversation, when I had made it a point to tell her that even if there's a default, worst case scenario, the bank doesn't want your house. They don't want your business. They don't want the furniture and fixtures. They don't want the yogurt machine or the grill. They just want to be paid back. And I said, so when a bank does put a lien on your home. The bank is going to first want to know, can you continue to just make the payments and we'll all be good and in a happy place? If you can't continue to make the payments, can we do interest only maybe for a while? The bank wants to do a workout long before they do the house and, and take the assets. If it gets down to the, to the bottom line and, and, and those things won't work and there's equity in the home, the bank will first want the, the borrower to take the equity out of the home. To help pay back the loan so taking the house is the very very last resort that a bank wants to do and so in the middle of this conversation with this lady today she's rambling on about you know well if this happens and that happens and then then they're going to just take my house away (laughs) I'm like no no Phyllis I told you this is how it works that's going to be the last resort so there's really this this um, stigma about losing the house that seems to be a big deal, but educating is absolutely necessary. And that's with all of our clients. That's that's why we're a consulting firm. We're not a brokerage. We we consult, we educate. About 98% of our clients have never been in business before, women or men, and they have no idea how it works. That,
3: that's, a, that's a really good point. And I think that so many women coming back into business that they've taken time off to raise kids, there is a bit of right. a learning curve. And I'm sure that's true for men who've never owned a business. So in terms of that, our, not to keep bringing it up, but our next issue is about mentorship and giving back and paying forward, and engaging in the community. So as a consultant, do you see yourself in that role in terms of mentorship and helping people navigate this process? And how does, how does that take place?
5: That's been my lifelong journey is being there to mentor. I'm getting goosebumps on my <laughs> on my arm because it's, it's my passion to be able to spend an hour and a half with somebody who just doesn't understand. And even when you've explained it, you need to explain it again. So any opportunity I have for a platform such as this, anything at uh, any of our associations, whenever I can get a microphone, I'm always about helping the community Whoever's in the community and wants to be a business owner, how that works, what it looks like, what they need to do, and how we can help
4: them and guide them through the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Our position has always been a point of education and the hand-holding and not leaving somebody on the curb who could otherwise be a business owner. And so whatever we could do to help bring ease to not only the process, but ease in their personal feelings that they can feel comfortable to move forward, that's what we want to do to be able to achieve. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: And so in terms of that education and that hand-holding, if you have someone who's kind of on the cusp but maybe not quite ready to qualify for funding, what kinds of things can you do to help that person cross the threshold?
5: You're spoon-feeding us these questions. (laughs) All the things we love to say and talk about. (laughs)
4: Perfect. (laughs) So so anytime we talk to somebody, one of the very first things I tell them is that we are either going to provide you with a pre-qualification to move forward or we're gonna issue a roadmap. We're gonna give them the exact steps in order to be able to get to qualification. We don't send a letter in the mail that says, sorry, you've been declined, come back another day. We put together a full project plan and how they're gonna be able to achieve qualification. And we've set up partnerships to be able to do that. If somebody's credited them where it needs to be. We know a firm that we've used for seven years in credit repair. You know, do they need well, Oh no, I've, I've met them over a decade, I oh. don't know.
1: Okay, you
5: you
4: can age yourself, so that's okay. (laughs) So, no, so we want to make sure whatever it needs, if somebody needs to be able to get equity out of a home or or something of that nature, we're going to give them the steps and be able to introduce them to those steps to help them get to that qualification.
5: And you know, too, when there's an existing business owner, and they might own a franchise, they might own a different kind of business, whatever it is, but they're a business owner, we have to collect three years of financials on the existing business. Because the bank first looks at the individual and wants to qualify the individual and in their personal balance sheet. Then they look at any existing business, but all of that before they look at what they want to do now. So when we get financials on the existing business, I can't tell you how many times those financials are just wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: We had loan payables as an asset the other day on the balance sheet. Okay. We have net income on the P&L that doesn't tie to the, to the balance sheet. People don't know what's on their balance sheet. Oh, I need to check with my accountant. I don't know what that is. It's just, it's crazy sad.
2: Mm -hmm. And
5: so we have right down the hallway here in this office, our business solutions group, which is loaded with CPAs and accountants and all kinds of wonderful people who can help them and guide them in getting their books in order. Because they've got to have their house clean before we can ever take them on as a client to be able to
1: present them to lenders. I right. think really important. <laughs> <laughs> what, Ray, I then? think he
3: said, "What is
1: that? <laughs> he said house cleaning, and uh, that's what my franchise is. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <there you laughs> <go>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, I did want to kind of jump back in there. We were talking about uh, uh, you know people who are, are getting loans these days. And I was wondering, I, as a veteran, I get a lot of information about how things are improving for veterans. Has there been any improvement on the on the uh, loan front regarding veterans?
4: Absolutely, and and uh, you know this is a, a great question. And so we're a member of VetFriend, the the Veterans Organization and Franchising. So we of course offer uh, you know the discounts, but we're also well versed in the programs that are out there for veterans. And so under the SBA umbrella, there's called what's called the Veterans Advantage Loan. And that Veterans Advantage loan are huge discounts for veterans to be able to achieve an SBA loan moving into business. Um, so it's really important that, you know, actually, in, in my in my checklist that I have when I talk to every client, always one of the first questions is, are you a veteran or active duty service member? Uh, if they're active duty, that's fantastic. The same program applies to them. Uh, if they are a veteran, all we need to see is a DD214 and they would qualify for that Veterans Advantage program. Uh, But I also want to take a moment, too, as I've seen a lot of things on LinkedIn and heard things at conferences, the only true Veterans Loan program out there (coughs) is the Veterans Advantage program. There's not any other designation under SBA than Veterans Advantage. There's not any express. There's not anything else out there for veterans that's a true program outside of that veteran's advantage. And if anybody ever wants to double check or look, the SBA actually has a charter on their website of all the SBA programs that are available to folks, and they'll see that one veteran's program being veteran's advantage.
1: Okay, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that.
4: Yep, well, well deserved. Mm -hmm. I wish there were more discounts for them. Yeah, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yeah, there you go, (laughs)
2: that's
4: amazing
1: do you have another question or – I mean, Elizabeth?
3: Uh, well, if you call me by the right name, maybe I will. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we had talked about um previously that there were some changes in the rollover program coming up or ha- existing. Uh, you want to talk – speak yeah. about a little bit and let us know what's going on?
4: Yeah, absolutely. That has also been uh, – uh, not even in the last three years. In 2019, this was a big change that the SBA made. Uh, as far as the 401k rollovers go. And so the 401k rollover has always been a great asset when somebody is short on cash and has money from a previous employer to be able to roll over and use as the down payment on an SBA loan. And so for the longest time, banks were completely fine with that. The SBA was fine with that. Uh, The bank could even count the fee for the rollover towards the cash injection on the loan. Uh, And in 2019, the SBA changed that policy and really flipped it on its head. Um, So you can absolutely still do a 401k rollover uh, to get the money necessary for the equity injection on an SBA loan. But the first change they made is that the fee for the rollover, the initial upfront fee to do the rollover no longer can be counted towards the cash injection on the loan. So that is now considered a true out-of-pocket expense. And the second thing is that when we're having this done, even a PLP lender has to submit this loan to the SBA now to have the 401k rollover audited. And so this is something that has now caused uh, an, you know, an, disruption. A, a disruption, uh, a big length in the process. And you know, we we have some folks that we know that do 401k rollovers who are phenomenal. But there's a lot of copycats out there as well. And if somebody's not doing the 401k rollover right and the SBA audits it, it it could shut down an entire loan, have the bank withdraw the offer. Um, It can be really, really detrimental. So it has to be working with reputable firms. It has to be making sure that these folks are doing it, have never been audited before. And just having folks know through education that this is not gonna be a short loan process that this is going to add additional time to your loan uh, because of the 401k rollover. And we don't want to discourage anybody from the 401k rollover by any means. That's a great way of getting capital, but everyone just needs to be educated up front that it is going to take additional time compared to when it used to.
5: Yeah, that's
4: really, you know, of course they have their
5: reasons, but quite frankly, it's a shame. Uh, the it, it usually costs around $5,000, give or take, for the rollover program. And, for folks to be able to use that or account for that as part of the capital requirement was very helpful. They weren't as leery to spend that money to do the rollover. And so they, they would proceed forward. Mm-hmm. So that coupled with the fact now that it's going to take longer, it could take how much longer do they say They're on average? Two to four weeks. Two to four weeks longer.
4: I mean, wow. it's already
5: a laborious process going through an SBA journey, mm-hmm. but, uh um, I don't know. It's just
1: it's too bad. But it it
0: is what it is. Yeah.
1: I need to ask Fred uh if he can hear me. Is it time for a commercial?
0: We're gonna try, Ray, and I got no <laughs> clue if it's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanna thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting the show. You can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or in theory, you can chat at the Pillars of Franchising site. And now I'm hoping a word from a sponsor. Yeah, nope, not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. We're getting video on it, but the audio just isn't going out. So, yeah, we're going to come back to the show. We want to thank West Vine for being a sponsor, Uh, thank uh, Franchise Consulting Company for being a sponsor, thank Great American Franchise Expo for being a sponsor, and in fact, uh, yeah, I can't even talk today, Uh, thank the Franchise Women for being our newest uh, sponsor. So we're back, for those of you who've been watching the video, we're now back to everybody except for me.
4: Take it away, Ray. (laughs) <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> at least well they all get to see you at IFA, Fred. Yes.
1: Yeah,
4: we just don't want
1: him to have another heart attack, that's all. There we go. <laughs> chihuahua. That's not what I want to say, but I chihuahua. <laughs> Take it away, Ray. Okay. So uh, I I think uh based on our conversation, you said you're a consulting firm. So basically people would want to know, well, how do you get paid? Yeah, go ahead we get paid by
5: the individual who chooses to engage us Mm -hmm. to place the financing for them. And so there's this process of like the hour and a half conversation I had today with this lady and all of the work that was done previously by our underwriting team. I think Anthony is the one who had the initial call with her from the point of hello, how can I help you? So there have been probably, there's probably been at least 12 to 15, maybe even 20 hours already put into reviewing everything with this lady, and at this point now, she's qualified for us to place financing for her, and she's been given a pre-qualification email that outlines all of the things that we talked about, what the terms and conditions might look like and will probably look like, and at that point, it triggers uh, our assistant here in the office to issue our master services agreement. Mm. Now it's up to this lady to decide whether or not she wants to engage us to move forward. Mm -hmm. But everything to this point has been absolutely free. Mm -hmm. And then once she decides to engage us, we tell folks, well, we encourage them to sign the franchise agreement and our agreement at the same time so that we can all work in tandem together, moving through the journey with the objective being that we all land on our feet at the same time. So our fee is, is, generally $5,500, that's our our basic product line. And so now it's it's a matter of hoping that she understood the necessity to really have somebody do this for her. I always tell people, you know, I would never in the world hire a plumber. I mean, if I did anything with plumbing, we would flood or something would happen, but it it wouldn't get fixed, I need a plumber. It's the same kind of thing. If you've never gone through this process before, grab somebody who knows what they're doing and, and who does it all day
1: every day.
4: But, okay, and, yeah. and I think it's important. Oh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, that, that is the important
1: thing right there is that you have the experience and you're gonna put that person's uh, request out to many different providers of loans, uh, correct? So that yeah. they have a better chance of getting something as, as opposed to being going to a bank and getting turned down and, and going to you know somewhere else I, You know, I get solicited, I, I, I was just thinking about how many times a day, I'm going to estimate three to five times a day, I either get a phone call, I get an email, or I get a letter saying, yeah, uh I qualified for 500000 I qualify for a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and it, it makes me wonder, is there that much money available out there that people can, or is it, or it's something sort of scam that I should be looking at. Not that I I don't need the money right now. And, and I was just wondering, I I think a lot of people out there are getting these types of solicitations. Is that something we should be afraid of?
5: Well, I would say absolutely. They're they're leader advertising for the most part to say that you're qualified for X amount of dollars. Mm -hmm. No one knows what you're qualified for until they have everything from you. Mm-hmm. So these companies that, that do that kind of solicitation, I don't even know what they're looking at, but they sure as heck are not looking at your tax returns or your bank oh. statements, maybe not even your credit report. They're just guessing maybe on your zip code. Mm-hmm. You never know. Mm-hmm. But that's something that should never never be taken seriously. It's a, it's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah? A lot of people fall for it, certainly. And that's why they keep doing it. Elizabeth, you got so
3: know? Yeah, so in ter- in terms of specific advantages that you provide, you've gotten her to the pre-qualification point. Now she's going to decide whether she takes you on to help her, right? So from that point forward, what are the specific tangible advantages? I'm, I'm assuming it's things like it'll go faster. She increases her likelihood of getting funding. She doesn't have a headache of all those things. Tell me what those tangible advantages are for her, other than the obvious. <laughs>
5: Yeah,
4: Go ahead and go, Elizabeth, you're on a roll.
2: That's
4: good. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first thing that we do when we're engaged for funding is once somebody has been onboarded, we're going to actually write their executive level business plan for them. Okay. And so this is our biggest key differentiator out there is we are the only finance firm within franchising that we don't give somebody a template. We don't ask them to do it. We will actually write the business plan for them. And so this is going to expedite the process. The business plan that we put together is 35 to 45 pages in length. Mm-hmm. It's three years of financial performance, the first year month by month P&L and balance sheet, break-even analysis, the sourcing use of funds, competitive analysis, market analysis, demographics. It's really our key to the vault, and what has differentiated us to be the experts in SBA is because we write the business plan, we get the deal done every time. This is something that allows us to use as a tool to get to the money. So we'll take that business plan with the documents that we've collected. We put together an entire lender package, and we put it out there in front of our lenders. We get the expressions of interest that come in, and then we hold their hand from that expression of interest to approval to closing to funding. So we are with them every step of the way through the process. It's going to expedite. It's going to bring ease and comfortability to that franchisee. And then they have a business plan that they can fall back on that they own at the end of this process. And there's a lot of education that goes with that, too. We hand them over the we hand them over a first draft of the business plan for them to review. And then we review it with them as well to make sure that they're going to be educated on it. Because we can put them in front of a bank. We can get them a bank offer based on their financial position. But the bank is going to want to speak to them at some point. And when the bank speaks right. with them, they have to be able to speak to their project. Right. They have to be able to speak to that business plan. We can only take them to the we can take them to the finish line, but they have to make that final step to cross it. And we have a perfect example
5: of that. Yesterday, we were on the phone with the franchisor because one of the franchisee prospects that this this group sent over to us is is very much qualified. In fact, we got him an offer for only twenty percent injection. And usually we're seeing 25, maybe even 30% injection. The interest rate was great. Everything about the deal was wonderful until the bank talked to him and asked him questions. He killed the deal.
2: Oh, no. He
5: himself killed the deal. And my chief banking officer told me, he's like, Reg, I can't turn this guy loose. I can't let him talk to another bank. Because then he, he, you know, he made a really good point. We worked years and years to develop these banking relationships, mm-hmm. and the banker is looking at us, going, uh, "Where did you find this guy? Didn't you know this about him? And didn't you know that?" And he decided all by himself, by the way, to increase his project cost by fifty thousand dollars without telling us. Oh,
4: yeah.
5: So, puts us in a very bad light with the banker. But like Anthony said, we can take him to the finish line. But then it's up to them. Right. And this is after, by the way, that we have coached people. And again, Anthony mentioned that mm-hmm. a little bit. So when we get an offer from a bank, we review that offer with them. We tell them the questions to expect and that kind of thing. But this was a personality that was very, you know, kind of a know-it-all in a way and, you know, didn't really listen. I know, I know, I got it, I got it, don't worry. Yeah. Well,
3: Some people are, people are, are not conducive to coaching. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, we're going to get
4: him another offer. He's got a strong position, and yeah. we've brought the franchisor in now, and so we've with us and the franchisor coaching him to the point where he's going to understand, hey, I screwed this up last time. Let's get right. it right the next time. Exactly. So, you know, and that brings up a really good point,
5: too, Elizabeth. You know, what we do helps the franchisor and the developers retain control over the sales process. Right. It also allows the franchisor to, to see a different side of the individual that maybe they didn't see mm-hmm. during their vetting process and discovery day and validations and that kind of thing. So what we do from the consultative basis is not only get a loan for folks who come to us and are qualified, but we're also helping the referral source who sometimes is a broker, helping the franchisor, mm-hmm. it, it, it does a lot for a lot of people just because of our approach the communication and that kind of thing that we have with people
3: right and once they cross that finish line that's not necessarily the end of the relationship right
4: no (laughs) not at
2: all all. right Right. so so what would be the next
3: step
4: good
2: guess (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: yeah so once they have the bank approval then they have to move into closing and then so it's managing the bank and working with the franchisor in tandem You know, where is the GC going to come in? Are they receiving uh, the proper bids? Are the invoices being paid on time? So we have to manage that lender and the franchise process all the way through banking to get to that closing and funding stage. Because if anything goes awry, whether it's the location or the general contractor, it's going to play, you know, a detrimental part of that franchisee's journey. And so it's really important that we maintain that communication and build that relationship the point of them again, cutting that ribbon and and having that grand opening. And for a lot of franchisees that we work with, the relationship still doesn't end there because they've signed a multi-unit agreement and they wanna come back to us and we'll stay in touch with them to make sure we're getting them set up for financing for their next unit. So that number one, they can stick to their development agreement, which of course the franchisor is always very happy that we're here to make sure that we can help that franchisee stick to that development agreement they signed with their franchise. So I, I,
1: I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through the steps that are involved. In other words, should I be looking, uh, finding a franchise first and then con- contacting you or maybe should should contact you and then uh, find a franchise consultant? Uh, you know, what what is the usual steps people would take, uh, you know, uh, before they contact you? You know, I, I, Ray, I'd really like to switch chairs.
5: Every time it goes on you, I'm like, God, he looks comfortable. (laughs) Oh, my chair. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I'd like to. Yeah, I want your chair. (laughs) Just a little levity there. Sorry sorry to throw that in. Yeah, Uh, when when
3: I signed on, he was almost (laughs) horizontal.
4: (laughs) Uh, uh Oh, nice. This is beautiful. Well, Ray, that's a, that's a phenomenal question with several different answers. Um, there's franchise, There's people who come to us that have not found a franchise concept yet and want to get pre-qualified as they might just be browsing the portals to see what they would qualify for so they know what franchises they can
5: click on. Kind of like buying a house. You want to know if you're qualified to buy a condo or a McMansion or exactly mm-hmm. what you should be looking at. It's the same kind
4: of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And we do work with a lot of franchise brokers. And for a franchise broker to be able to come in and make sure that they're showing that franchisee the right concept, they need to know very early on what that franchisee is going to qualify for. The last thing that a broker wants to be put in a situation is, hey, I presented this concept. They love it. They can't wait to open it only to find out that that franchisee is not going to financially qualify for it. So if we're able to meet with that franchisee early in that broker process, they're going to present them with brands that are going to fit within their financial profile. And then we work with franchisors, probably more than even brokers. We work with a lot of franchisors who maintain the sales process themselves. And, you know, depending on the or where they bring us in on the process, but always before the franchise agreement is, always before the franchise agreement is signed. That's a little bit like I, I mentioned earlier is,
5: it's, helping the, the process, helping others retain control of the process. And that's a very perfect example where the the salesperson, the developer, now knows how to approach this sales process with that particular person based on what they're qualified for.
4: Definitely. So kind of a multi-pronged approach there, but the the main theme between all of that is always as early as possible in the process. You want to know before you get too invested in something. You want to know before you're hopping a plane to go to Discovery Day. You want to know exactly what you're going to qualify for so that you can move through this process with an assurance and confidence that you know you're going to come out on the right side.
5: We even have, it brings to mind, we have a couple of franchisors we work with who will not allow a prospect to Discovery Day unless they've gone through us and have a prequalification. So now the franchisor is talking to a room full of people who can write a check today versus talking to an audience, and you don't know who can buy a franchise with any of them. So that's another another great, uh, I think, a great step to go through is to making sure that before folks are even invited to Discovery Day, they're qualified for their
4: financing. It, it lights a fire. Reg and I have both gotten phone calls from people. I need to buy my plane ticket for discovery day. When can I get qualified? Well, you can get qualified as soon as you turn in your document. It only takes us 24 hours to underwrite and qualify somebody. So we can move it very quickly. Just got to get us what we need, which isn't a whole lot. We only need an online application. Uh, we need a credit report that's not an inquiry or hard pool and some tax returns. Unless they own a business, then we need a few years of tax returns. But, you know, all in all, someone can accomplish what we need within an hour. So I, I think, it's a pretty streamlined process. You know, to
1: get you guys on board and walk into a, a potential franchise uh, at Discovery Day, knowing that you have this financing in your pocket. I mean, you can talk right. from a much better perspective about what you want to do. It's is- like
5: some real estate agents won't talk to you until you have a prequalification letter in your hand from a mm-hmm. financer. Sure. Sure. Yeah, same idea. Hmm.
3: So switching to the the franchisor side, you do consulting with franchisors and their businesses as well, don't you?
4: That is correct. So that's one of our other pillars, if you will, here at DCB Franchise Group is our consulting pillars. So working with franchisors uh, that are in need of everything from operations to training to sales and support. Uh, But a lot of our clients are businesses that have a growing need or concern that wants to franchise. Uh, And so we can take them through that entire process, but we're a little different in that aspect is that we don't take on anybody that knocks on our door and goes, Hey, we want to be a franchise. We want to make sure that our franchisors are going to be successful. And so we have an absolutely free vetting process that we put every potential client through to make sure they have the potential. Is it on trend? Does it fit the market? Is it something that's going to be replicable? Do you have the operational wherewithal already in place that this can be replicated into a franchise? So, we're not about just writing an SDD and handing it over to them and saying, congratulations, here's a template for your operations manual, you can run to the races now. Now, we're very consultative, so as much as we do in the financing side of our business, even on the consulting side, business it's more articulate, and there's so much needed to actually make a franchise system, an institutional franchise system, from giving them the tools that they need not only to be legally in compliance, but to give their franchisees a true opportunity to succeed. So yeah, that
5: part of that? our, I'm sorry, that yeah, part ahead. of our business has actually started with um, the two brothers who had a vision of a of a restaurant that they wanted to open someday. Well, make a long story short, we took their vision and turned it into a business, and now they're looking for a location to open it. So we took them through from the very, very early stages of even developing the menu, developing the layout of the restaurant, the colors, the branding, what the name of the restaurant should be, and then getting that trademarked and so forth, and the the logo and everything, and then built their entire infrastructure their training manuals, all of that in order for them to be a fully functioning restaurant that within a short period of time could end up becoming a franchise system
1: if that's the direction that they wanted to go. And they you set consulted themselves on that. Them that right? You consulted on that? Us? You consulted on Yeah, also? we
4: consulted through that whole process. Oh, We're right. probably the only consulting firm that I know of that has a full-time executive chef on staff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I mean, I yesterday I wanted a piece of chocolate
5: cake with ganache chocolate frosting. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I, so I walked over
4: and I said, John, can you whip up a chocolate cake? I really I need a piece of chocolate cake. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, franchising is always restaurant heavy. You know, we've done franchise concepts, of course, that are plenty that are not a restaurant. But mm-hmm. with as many restaurant concepts that we work with, it, it just made sense. and. I mean, we're down to even right now with one of our concepts changing out their bread because it didn't just work on the sandwich that if you took it outside the restaurant, it got soggy. So <laughs> let's come in and let us work on changing the bread for that. I mean, this is how granular that we get with every concept to make sure it's good to it succeed. Oh, and then there's the concept where the father owns um,
5: a butcher shop or something. It's, it's kind of like the dad is making all the food at home. And then bringing it to the restaurant. The restaurant didn't even have a kitchen. (laughs) They had hot plates and this kind of thing. And so our executive chef ended up doing a complete blueprint on what their kitchen setup needed to be. And so now we've gone into that location and we're starting to build the kitchen. They had plenty of room. And so then now we can start working on building their franchise infrastructure. And they're going to have a model that they can show prospective franchisees down the line. But they got to cut Dad out of the loop.
2: <laughs>
4: or Be Dad careful. has to Be come in what and you serve me the food.
3: Yeah.
4: Right. Be careful what you say about Be careful again. what no. you
3: say, yeah. You're sitting next to your son. <laughs> I
5: forget <laughs> if Dad says he calls me Reg all the time.
3: Anthony's
5: <laughs> thinking there. You know. yeah. uh, the wheels yeah. are a turn, let me tell you. Yeah,
3: exactly. So I, won't I, let
2: me see the
3: phone. Your mother won't let me see <laughs> so, I think it's so interesting that you've developed something from nothing
2: yeah.
3: into a business, mm-hmm. into something that could be franchisable. So, for someone who doesn't go through you and doesn't avoid the normal pitfalls, what do you think are some of the top mistakes that a business that wants to become a franchise make without guidance?
1: Good question. Let so, I me mean, take it, or
5: you take it? I think we we'll both can take it. I, I'm spinning here too. We've just run into so many scenarios. Of Really sad situations when people have uh, have not built what they need in training guides, Mm -hmm. inventory controls, a point-of-sale system that's consistent. If they've got a couple of locations, two, three locations, all three of them are in different point-of-sale systems, the financial reporting is not accurate. Their financials look like the ones I mentioned earlier to you Mm -hmm. where they're all out of whack and, and need to be cleaned up. Um, Those are just a few
4: examples. I'll let
5: Anthony touch on the rest.
4: Yeah, it it could be down to, you know, not being, you know, you have all your your recipes in your head. Well, that's great. You're going to do it, you know, and if you don't want to share those recipes, that's okay. Get, you know, someone who's going to be able to make those, get a kitchen that's going to make those sauces for you. They can ship out to a national brand-wide thing. You're you going to franchise. Chain. You got to build a supply chain, and if you're going to franchise, you're going to have to let a little bit of that go. You can't hold on
5: right. to as
4: much as control, and that's everything we see with the joint employer and what's passed. There has to be that che- separation of church and state. And you might love those family recipes, and fine, don't share them. Get the kitchen that's going to do them, but make sure you have that process set up in place
2: right. to
4: be able to do that. And you mean you do have to make control. You can't have a a pizza shop selling hamburgers out of their pizza oven, you know, you want to make sure that you can have that consistency across the board, too. And it's just, it's that what we see out there sometimes. I would say about 50% of our clients on the consulting business are, are you know, systems that went to market ill prepared and with one thing or the other, you know, somebody they're getting sued by their franchisees, they all hate them. Um, our operations specialist has been in franchising over 30 years and he flies out and meets some franchisees to bring them back on board. And then that goes back to the sales process. If they're trying to sell, you need to have that franchisee validation. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things out there that brands don't realize. If you don't have happy franchisees, somebody picks up the phone and calls one of your locations, it's gonna be really hard to sell a franchise. Oh, and that's so, so
3: true. My husband bought a franchise over the summer, which is kind of how I fell into this this topic. Um, and he called you know, 11 or 12 and went to visit too personally, because he wanted to see if what they were saying was, in fact, the truth. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, if you're doing your good due diligence, I think that's a critical point. So, that's something that you do to consult with a franchise or to make sure that they are keeping their franchisees happy. Oh,
4: absolutely.
5: There's one franchise system that that hired us, and we went in and shut down their development, their recruiting. We said, Mm -hmm. stop right now. We ended up having to go in, and, and some of the franchise agreements on with the existing franchisees weren't even renewed. Some hadn't signed. Uh, they were they were going rogue in their mm-hmm. restaurants, doing whatever they wanted to. So we had to bring in a team to go into all of the locations and make sure that they became compliant. And if they didn't want to become compliant, then they were out. Right. And then once we got that all cleaned up and made sure that they had current operations manuals, training guides the of sales, just all those things I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. then we were able to take them to market and sell them, which is another part of our kind of as a segue into the other part of what we do and consult in that pillar is that once we build a franchise system or have put it back on the tracks if it had derailed, is we take them to market. So out of our Atlanta office, we have our franchise development team that actually sells franchise systems that are our clients. Mm-hmm. So we haven't taken on any any franchise systems unless they're ours, and uh, we we develop them and develop them and sell them and, and take it all the way. Yeah, we're even we're even still doing discovery days discovery days for one of our clients and training, mm-hmm. so they've retained us to still do those things for them right. oh, wow. until it's going to get to a point where they just need to take that over. They're certainly trained now, but it's easier to just pay us to do that for them. <laughs> um, but that gives you an idea how deep our resources go.
4: What we're able to yeah, do, and, and it's important to know too, it's an all-a-car thing because on the financing side of our business, we represented over 500 different franchise concepts, and we we could be doing financing on six different pizza concepts for six different franchisees. But uh, we just we keep everything separate. There's never any cross-pollination. There's never hey, do this, do that, or the other thing. I, I get questions all the time. Oh, what franchise brands are hot right now? I don't answer. It, it's completely up to that individual and that person. If they're coming through our financing program, to stick to what they're working with, and that's the financing. Mm-hmm. So we always want to make sure we do keep that separation again,
1: church and state there. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I so, think Fred, Fred is wanting to say something. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're starting to run out of time. So my last question is almost, uh, a slight variation of what anthony just answered um what's the hottest trend in franchising you see <laughs> <laughs> there
4: you go Nice, that's nice way, way to throw me on the spot there that's awesome
0: <laughs> hey been off camera most of the show so had to get one
4: shot in yeah there you go it, it's funny you know there's it, it I, I was my straight answer to that if i'm It's funny, anytime I'm somewhere with a group of friends and somebody hears that I'm in franchising, all of a sudden I'm everybody's best friend and they want to talk to me. It's it's one of the biggest conversation starters out there. Everybody's always so curious. And that is, if I'm with someone and, you know, we got to buy a Super Bowl party. I know it's going to come up and be prepared. What's the hottest concept out there? My direct response is, well, in what industry segment? Are you looking at food? Are you looking at fitness? Are you looking at health and wellness? Let's go down the list from there because there's going to be a hot concept in every segment out there and uh it's all about following the trend it's all about betting what you need to out there you know going through that franchisee validation process um so it's really up to what's going to fit somebody's best needs if you're coming to me and asking what the best restaurant is but you've never worked at a restaurant a day in your life maybe that might not be the best fit for you <laughs> so it's, you it's, uh, it's a loaded question to say the least but it comes down to, to finding out what's going to fit with that person what's going to make them happy how involved in the business are they going to be and then. It's really finding out a true answer from there.
0: Okay, Reg. He's he's talked for a long time. Now you get to answer.
5: <laughs> what he said. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that's. You know, I've got to have
5: some. i got to have some benefits. You know. Oh,
1: so there you go. <laughs> yeah, what he says. Mm-hmm. I lean on that. Fine, fine.
0: Ray. Last
1: question's yours. All right. So we've got all of our audience uh sitting on the edge of their seat and they're really interested in hiring you guys. What
4: do they need to do? Call Anthony. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm definitely the best contact person out there. Reg uh reg Reg is uh He's, he's not as easy to get a hold of, I would say, is the best way. He's a Anthony's fan. a lot
5: easier to get a hold of than I am. I am, I travel a great deal.
4: I go to the different offices and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're up and down California. We're in our Denver office. We're in our Atlanta office. But reach out to me by phone, email, LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn. It, it, it's the, that's how we even got involved. Fred and I became LinkedIn connections. Somehow we got put together. So that's, uh, it's always a fun way to get connected. But, yeah, my, my door is always open. My wife will tell you I always have my cell phone in my hand, unfortunately, whether it's emails or calls. So uh, always feel free to reach out. And I see your phone number, Anthony, is
5: 818-251-1343. <laughs> exactly. That's Anthony's direct line, 818 818- Two five one
1: one three four three. Yes, sir. All right, and all that information will be on the Pillars of Franchising web page, right, Fred? Yeah,
0: and and with any luck, we'll actually have the new design up by next week.
1: All so right, for the last two weeks,
0: and this time he really needs it. Means it, whatever. Mm. I don't know. It's all.
5: It's well, all. let me let me say what a pleasure this has been, and and how much we truly appreciate the opportunity, Elizabeth. It's nice to meet you.
2: Nice um, to
5: meet you. If, if you're going to be at IFA, we're going to be there as well. For 2012. Yep, yeah, 2012. That's right. Um, so thank you, thank you very very much. We we love talking about what we do. We love sharing. I think you've picked up on the emotional part of how we just really like to envelop ourselves mm-hmm. in people's process and journey of what they're going through for a life changing experience. It's
0: pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Great. Absolutely. And yes, folks, this is the pillars of franchising. We've had two birds, one show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with better sound and hopefully everything will sync. This is Fred McRae. Saying thanks to Elizabeth Denham, our newest sponsor, the franchise woman, Thank you. and thanks Ray Thank you, birds.
2: <laughs>
0: Thank you to our
2: Thank flock you. of birds. <laughs> <laughs>